Chapter fifty six of the D'Artagnan Romances, Volume two, twenty years after by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Avenger. They all four entered the tent. They had no plan ready. They must think of one. The king threw himself into an armchair. I am lost, said he. No, sire, replied Athos. You are only betrayed. The king sighed deeply. Betrayed, yes, betrayed by the Scotch, amongst whom I was born, whom I have always loved better than the English. Oh, traitors that ye are! Sire, said Athos, this is not a moment for recrimination, but a time to show yourself a king and a gentleman. Up, sire, up, for you have here at least three men who will not betray you. Ah, if we had been five! murmured athos thinking of d'artagnan and porthos what do you say inquired charles rising i say sire that there is no but one way open lord winter answers for his regiment or at least very nearly so we will not split straws about words let him place himself at the head of his men we will place ourselves at the side of your majesty and we will mow a swath through cromwell's army and reach scotland there is another method said aramis let one of us put on the dress and mount of the king's horse whilst they pursue him the king might escape it is good advice said athos and if the king will do one of us the honor we shall be truly grateful to him what do you think of this council winter asked the king looking with admiration at these two men whose chief idea seemed to be how they could take on their shoulders all the dangers that assailed him i think the only chance of saving your majesty has just been proposed by monsieur d'herblay i humbly entreat your majesty to choose quickly for we have not an instant to lose but if i accept it is death or at least imprisonment for him who takes my place he will have had the glory of having saved his king cried winter the king looked at his old friend with tears in his eyes undid the order of the saint esprit which he wore to honor the two frenchmen who were with him and passed it around winter's neck who received on his knees this striking proof of his sovereign's confidence and friendship it is right said athos he has served your majesty longer than we have the king overheard these words and turned around with tears in his eyes wait a moment sir said he i have an order for each of you also he turned to a closet where his own orders were locked up and took out two ribbons of the order of the garter these cannot be for us said athos why not sir asked charles such are for royalty and we are simple commoners speak not of crowns i shall not find amongst them such great hearts as yours no no you do yourselves injustice but i am here to do you justice on your knees count athos knelt down and the king passed the ribbon down from the left to right as usual raised his sword and instead of pronouncing the customary formula i make you a knight be brave faithful and loyal he said you are brave faithful and loyal i knight you monsieur le comte then turning to aramis he said 
it is now your turn monsieur le chevalier the same ceremony recommenced with the same words whilst winter unlaced his leather cuirass that he might disguise himself like the king charles having proceeded with aramis as with athos embraced them both sire said winter who in this trying emergency felt all his strength and energy fire up we are ready the king looked at the three gentlemen then we must fly said he flying through an army sire said athos in all countries in the world is called charging then i shall die sword in hand said charles monsieur le comte monsieur le chevalier if ever i am king sire you have already done us more honor than simple gentlemen could ever aspire to therefore gratitude is on our side but we must not lose time we have already wasted too much the king again shook hands with all three exchanged hats with winter and went out winter's regiment was ranged on some high ground above the camp the king followed by the three friends turned his steps that way the scotch camp seemed as if at last awakened the soldiers had come out of their tents and taken up their station in battle array do you see that said the king perhaps they are penitent and preparing to march if they are penitent said athos let them follow us well said the king what shall we do let us examine the enemy's army at the same instant the eyes of the little group were fixed on the same line which at daybreak they had mistaken for fog and which the morning sun now plainly showed was an army in order of battle the air was soft and clear as it generally is at that hour of the morning the regiments the standards and even the colors of the horses and uniforms were now clearly distinct on the summit of a rising ground a little in advance of the enemy appeared a short and heavy-looking man this man was surrounded by officers he turned a spy-glass toward the little group amongst which the king stood does this man know your majesty personally inquired aramis charles smiled that man is cromwell said he then draw down your hat sire that he may not discover the substitution ah said athos how much time we have lost now said the king give the word and let us start will you not give it sire asked athos no i make you my lieutenant-general said the king listen then uh, lord winter proceed sire i beg what we are going to say does not concern your majesty the king smiling turned a few steps back this is what i propose to do said athos we will divide our regiments into two squadrons you will put yourself at the head of the first we and his majesty will lead the second if no obstacle occurs we will both charge together force the enemy's line and throw ourselves into the tyne which we must cross either by fjording or swimming if on the contrary any repulse should take place you and your men must fight to the last man whilst we and the king proceed on our road once arriving at the brink of the river should we even find them three ranks deep as long as you and your regiment do your duty we will look to the rest to horse said lord winter to horse re-echoed athos everything is arranged and decided now gentlemen cried the king 
forward and rally to the old cry of france montjoy and saint denis the war cry of england is too often in the mouths of traitors they mounted the king on winter's horse and winter on that of the kings then winter took his place at the head of the first squadron and the king with athos on his right and aramis on his left at the head of the second the scotch army stood motionless and silent seized with shame at sight of these preparations some of the chieftains left the ranks and broke their swords in two there said the king that consoles me they are not all traitors at this moment winter's voice was raised with the cry of forward the first squadron moved off the second followed and descended from the plateau a regiment of cuirassiers nearly equal as to numbers issued from behind the hill and came full gallop toward it the king pointed this out sire said athos we foresaw this and if lord winter's men but do their duty we are saved instead of lost at this moment they heard above all the galloping and neighing of the horses winter's voice crying out sword in hand at these words every sword was drawn and glittered in the air like lightning now gentlemen said the king in his turn excited by this sight come gentlemen sword in hand but aramis and athos were the only ones to obey this command and the king's example we are betrayed said the king in a low voice wait a moment said athos perhaps they do not recognize your majesty's voice and await the order of their captain have they not heard that of their colonel but look look cried the king drawing up his horse with a sudden jerk which threw it on its haunches and seizing the bridle of athos's horse ah cowards traitors screamed lord winter whose voice they heard whilst his men quitting their ranks dispersed all over the plain about fifteen men were ranged around him and awaited the charge of cromwell's cuirassiers let us go and die with them said the king let us go said athos and aramis all faithful hearts with me cried out winter this voice was heard by the two friends who set off full gallop no quarter cried a voice in french answering to that of winter which made them tremble as for winter at the sound of that voice he turned pale and was as it were petrified it was the voice of a cavalier mounted on a magnificent black horse who was charging at the head of the english regiment of which in his ardor he was ten steps in advance tis he murmured winter his eyes glazed and he allowed his sword to fall to his side the king the king cried out several voices deceived by the blue ribbon and chestnut horse of winter take him alive no it is not the king exclaimed the cavalier lord winter you are not the king you are my uncle at the same moment mordaunt for it was he leveled his pistol at winter it went off and the ball entered the heart of the old cavalier who with one bound on his saddle fell back into the arms of athos murmuring he is avenged think of my mother shouted mordaunt as his horse plunged and darted off at full gallop wretch exclaimed aramis raising his pistol as he passed by him but the powder flashed in the pan and it did not go off at this moment the whole regiment came up and they fell upon the few men who had held out surrounding the two frenchmen athos after making sure that lord winter was really dead let fall the corpse and said come aramis 
now for the honor of France. And the two Englishmen who were nearest to them fell mortally wounded. At the same moment a fearful hurrah rent the air, and thirty blades glittered about their heads. Suddenly a man sprang out of the English ranks, fell upon Athos, twined arms of steel around him, and tearing his sword from him, said in his ear, Silence! Yield! You yield to me! Do you not? A giant had seized also Aramis's two wrists, who struggled in vain to release himself from this formidable grasp. Dar! exclaimed Athos, whilst the Gascon covered his mouth with his hand. I am your prisoner, said Aramis, giving up his sword to Porthos. Fire! Fire! cried Mordaunt, returning to the group surrounding the two friends. And wherefore fire? said the colonel. Every one has yielded. It is the son of Milady, said Athos to D'Artagnan. I recognize him. It is the monk, whispered Porthos to Aramis. I know it. And now the ranks began to open. D'Artagnan held the bridle of Athos's horse and Porthos that of Aramis. Both of them attempted to lead his prisoner off the battlefield. This movement revealed the spot where Winter's body had fallen. Mordaunt had found it out and was gazing on his dead relative with an expression of malignant hatred. Athos, though now cool and collected, put his hand to his belt, where his loaded pistols yet remained. "'What are you about?' said D'Artagnan. "'Let me kill him. We are all four lost, if by the least gesture you discover that you recognize him.' Then turning to the young man, he exclaimed, "'A fine prize!' A fine prize, my friend Mordaunt. We have both myself and Monsieur de Vallon taken two knights of the garter, nothing less. But, said Mordaunt, looking at Athos and Aramis with bloodshot eyes, these are Frenchmen, I imagine. Effaith, I don't know. Are you French, sir? said he to Athos. I am, replied the latter gravely. "'Very well, my dear sir. You are the prisoner of a fellow countryman.' "'But the king! Where is the king?' exclaimed Athos anxiously. D'Artagnan vigorously seized his prisoner's hand, saying, "'Eh, the king! We have secured him.' "'Yes,' said Aramis, "'through an infamous act of treason.' Porthos pressed his friend's hand and said to him, "'Yes, sir.' all is fair in war stratagem as well as force look yonder at this instant the squadron that ought to have protected charles's retreat was advancing to meet the english regiments the king who was entirely surrounded walked alone in a great empty space he appeared calm but it was evidently not without a mighty effort drops of perspiration trickled down his face and from time to time he put a handkerchief to his mouth to wipe away the blood that rilled from it behold nebuchadnezzar exclaimed an old puritan soldier whose eyes flashed at the sight of a man they called the tyrant do you call him nebuchadnezzar said mordaunt with a terrible smile no it is charles i the king the good king charles who despoils his subjects to enrich himself. Charles glanced a moment at the insolent creature who uttered this, but did not recognize him. Nevertheless, the calm religious dignity of his countenance abashed Mordaunt. Bonjour, messieurs, 
said the king to the two gentlemen who were held by d'artagnan and porthos the day has been unfortunate but it is not your fault thank god but where is my old friend winter the two gentlemen turned away their heads in silence in strafford's company said mordaunt tauntingly charles shuddered the demon had known how to wound him the remembrance of strafford was a source of long-lasting remorse to him the shadow that haunted him by day and night the king looked around him he saw a corpse at his feet it was winter's he uttered not a word nor shed a tear but a deadly pallor spread over his face he knelt down on the ground raised winter's head and unfastening the order of the saint esprit placed it on his own breast lord winter is killed then inquired d'artagnan fixing his eyes on the corpse yes said athos by his own nephew come he was the first of us to go peace be to him he was an honest man said d'artagnan charles stuart said the colonel of the english regiment approaching the king who had just put on the insignia of royalty do you yield yourself a prisoner colonel tomlinson said charles kings cannot yield the man alone submits to force your sword the king drew his sword and broke it on his knee at this moment a horse without a rider covered with foam his nostrils extended and eyes all fire galloped up and recognizing his master stopped and neighed with pleasure it was arthur the king smiled patted it with his hand and jumped lightly into the saddle now gentlemen said he conduct me where you will turning back again he said i thought i saw winter move if he still lives by all you hold most sacred do not abandon him never fear king charles said mordaunt the bullet pierced his heart do not breathe a word nor make the least sign to me or porthos said d'artagnan to athos and aramis that you recognize this man for milady is not dead her soul lives in the body of this demon the detachment now moved toward the town with the royal captive but on the road an aide-de-camp from cromwell sent orders that colonel tomlinson should conduct him to holdenby castle at the same time couriers started in every direction over england and europe to announce that charles stuart was the prisoner of oliver cromwell End of chapter fifty six recording by john van stan savannah georgia